1994 was a great year, to say the least. It gave us one of my favorite albums of all time. It gave us an introduction to Natalie Portman, an introduction to Jean Renault for America, and dare I say prime Gary Oldman? Fucking sue me. Do you believe in life after love? And do you believe in cult classics? We're discussing all of that shit and Leon the Professional on this week's episode of The Digest Show. Hit it! Welcome, welcome, welcome to this week's episode of The Digest Show. We've never done a film like this, have we, buddy? No, no. No, and I'd never seen a film like this until two days ago. Uh, style over substance, some might say, uh, but one of the all-time cult classics, Leon, the Professional, or Leon, or the Professional. We're going to talk about that. The title. Take your pick. We're talking about Jean Reno. We're talking about Natalie Portman. We're talking about Gary Oldman. We're talking about a different style of film we haven't dug into on the Digest Show, and we're going to have some interesting conversations today. I think that's safe to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you. I, I mean, you might make an argument that this is our first foreign film. I mean, you could you could pose. And it's and, made by a foreign director. There's foreign actor. And in. I'm pretty sure it was first released in uh, France. If I'm not badly mistaken, I could be half, mistaken. Half filmed in Paris as well. Yeah. So I don't know. I possibly. Don't, it's not quite. You know. I mean, it's in English. You can't really it, say it's a foreign film. It's it's a. I'll put it that way. No, it's like a good way to put it is it's a it's a foreign film put through an American filter or uh or vice versa. However you want it, it's got a filter on there. And it's There's definitely, definitely some dichotomy. There's some weird yeah. shit going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Let's do Me this. Me too. Shit. Yeah, this yeah. season we wanted to kind of switch up uh, what we're bringing to y'all, and we're gonna have fun this season. Um. We're not going to be taking ourselves too seriously, like not that we ever do, but we wanted to pick a, a film that was just a different direction, a different alley. Um, not so fucking highbrow, not so, you know, uh, run of the mill, something everybody talks about all the time. Though this is a cult classic, I know a lot of friends we have are excited for us to do this film, so it's going to be a good one. Yeah, cult classic, good way to. Absolutely. To, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. So I believe, uh, per tradition, on our solo shows, I would ask everyone to join me, Chase Ricker, on the back of the box as we do an overview of the film in case you've never seen it before or it's been a while like it was for me. Jean Reno, Gary Oldman, Natalie Portman, and Danny Alelo star in Leon, a go-for-broke thriller about a professional assassin whose work becomes dangerously personal. Calling himself a cleaner, the mysterious Leon is New York's top hitman. When his next-door neighbors are murdered, Leon becomes the unwilling guardian of the family's sole survivor, a 12-year-old Matilda. But Matilda doesn't just want protection. She wants revenge. Training her in the deadly tricks of his trade, Leon helps her track the psychotic agent who murdered her family from the electric o- opening to the fatal finale. Leon is a non-stop crescendo of action, suspense, and surprises. This version contains 24 minutes of extra footage never before released in America. That must be from the uh, extended cut. Yes, 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 it is. That was a good back of the box. That would get me stoked. It is. And also, it kind of made me think, too, like, while you were reading it, like, 
I'm starting to find a category for this movie because again, I just watched this movie. I'm first, I mean, I, I and I really didn't know much about it going into it. I, yeah. I really didn't. So, but I kind of felt like I was thinking of like uh, Memento came to mind. Oh, I like uh, that. Like, um, uh, let's see. Like, uh, well, I don't know. That's, this might be giving this film a little too much credit, but like Boondock Saints. You okay, know, like I'm really I'm on the fence talk- about that one, but yeah, whatever. Well, seen- we can skip. Yeah. Have you ever seen the score? The score. It's God, that sounds so famil- familiar, but I think it's Marlon Brando's last movie, but it stars Edward Norton and Bob De Niro, and it's like a cop thriller. I must have seen that, but it must have been a really long time. I need cool. to v- visit that. Well, Bob that kind of brings me to as we talk about our first memories and why we picked this film, which we've already discussed a little bit, because movies like that, we have a mutual friend who loves kind of style over substance films. And that friend introduced me to the score. And he also loves this movie. And we used to watch it as teenagers um, a few times, a few couple memories. Um, and you've never seen this film. Do you remember like hearing about it or have you been tempted to put it on before? Well, yeah, so the the wifey's a big fan, and she's been okay. telling me for years, like, you need to watch this movie. Like, we need to watch this movie, and we just – it's just one of those things where in the media culture today, the way it is, like, if it's not right there in front of you, it's harder to remember to watch something. Totally. And, and when you brought it up for the pod, it was like – I jumped on it. I was immediately like, yes, that'll give me the perfect reason to, like, make sure I watch this movie that she's been wanting me to watch for a really long time. So I think I've fallen asleep watching this movie – Maybe more than it's it's top tier falling asleep watching a movie. I don't know why. It's always just on a late at night for me in my experience. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Like I could see this. We we we'll get to some debate about this a little later, I think, but I could see this running on like Cinemax. Late at night, you know. Dare you uh, say cable? No, I didn't. See, that's why I went with Cinemax. Uh, I, see, I got you. You did. That's like some we'll uh, there. that's some upper middle class cable. Yeah, exactly. Upper middle class cable. Upper middle class cable. I like that's that. That's the name of my next solo record. That's a, dude, we need to we need to figure out what we're gonna use that for because that's a great classification. Oh man. Oh. Well, let's talk. Let's dig into the style of this film and like what sets it apart yeah. and you know I've said a few times now style over substance. That's kind of a if you. Look into Luc Besson, the director of this film. He's kind of associated with uh, a film movement in France called Cinéma du Luc, and that's what is characterized in that in that movement. Um, Everything this, French sounds like way fancier than anything we can do. It just does. I'm sorry. Yeah, especially when you do a terrible French accent. It wasn't that bad. I mean. Can I do it again? Yeah, take two. Let's do it. <clears throat> Cinema du Luc. That that was better. Much Thank more you. pure. Yes. 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 Dig it back. <laughs> There's something though about how the aesthetic of this film and it being in the early nineties and it having this like background of a European flavor and it being in New York and again the time it was set in that is just like perfect timing. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, it is a it's a it's a cool it's a cool film too you know like it's cool oh, it's to look cool. at um and I I can't help but make this reference and I I 
I told myself I wasn't going to do it, but I keep I keep going back to Pulp Fiction in my brain. I don't know why, but like I mean that makes I sense. Think, well, I think it's because of what Pulp Fiction was. It's a different direction of it, but I think you yeah. can definitely see in this movie like odes to other to other styles and stylized ways of making films. Like, I mean, for example, the opening shot is really like Kubrick esque, like The Shining, like that whole flyover crane shot. You know, we're coming over Central Park and then panning up through the city, and then like that first shot going into supreme macaroni at yeah. the very opening that i mean that might be my favorite single thing in the entire fucking film and it happens you in the love first like, like one minute yeah it's gorgeous it's like so fucking effective and then fade out on his hands with the glass of milk sitting there and it's just like i don't know it's a great way to open a film it really is and you can just tell it's it's influenced i'll put can it we that talk way. about the glass of milk really quick yeah let's do it that's like one of my favorite parts is the the fact that the editing, like he drinks it. He doesn't even, that'd be one thing to show someone like chugging a glass of milk, but they make it seem like he just goes, goop. Yep. Yeah. And there's like the plant thing. There's the milk thing that kind of offsets Leon's, he's a murderous hitman, but they give him these like sensitive hobbies or uh, tropes or whatever that like offset that. And the milk is just, it's, I don't know, it's cute. Yeah, and there's some stuff like when we I think later we're gonna talk about some of the acting performances and there's some stuff I wanna talk about with Leon that I think really put some color in the performance that I like just in some basic research from um from Jean Reno about what he was trying to do with the character is I think it's neat. Oh, and never cool. you know, yeah. So anyway, we'll get there, but um yeah. but um yeah it, this is not a, this is not, what What do you say, the Hollywood motion picture? Hollywood motion picture. <laughs> this is not that, right? And we love those fucking films, but this is definitely not that. And I think it's, I think it's because it's got that European flavor that we've talked about before. It's just, it's a little, it's a little different than what we're used to. Like, like it, it's. Well, the pacing of it, the editing is very, like, not American. And it's like framed slightly left of. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah. just what what we would be expecting in a film. It's just ooh, a little off kilter. Just a little, you know? They do portray Bill Clinton in the film. I know, right? What, what the, the fuck f- is up with that? It's a great, it's a great I loved it. I was like, because you're like because the, the second time I watched it is when I really, really picked up on it. That it was Bill Clinton. The first time I think it was like a fleeting thought, but then they like whip up to Central Park, and the character pops out, and he's like, "This will do." It's got to look sincere, and he starts jogging immediately, and it's just like, "Oh God, such a politician." That's a '90s nod. Can yeah. We talk about more about like the New York part of it, because I feel like this is this New York isn't a very like again isn't like a we don't get like the sprawling skylines and stuff. We get like an overlook of Central Park and things like that. And we get like the claustrophobic shop fronts and, mm. and you the, get the stuff that makes me want to pe- pack the fuck up and move to New York city. The same stuff that pulled my heart since I was a kid. It's we're in, we're li- They filmed literally in the Chelsea hotel. So it's like, but it's not the same New York that you would get in maybe another movie. Right? No, no, yeah. no, no. It's it. Well, another movie that Danny uh, Aiello's in that makes me think is do the right thing because Spike Lee's New York feels like that New York. The the 
the more diverse more, New York. Yeah, it's like ground level that. New York. It is. Yes, it's it like is. the back hallway of New York. Correct, correct. It's not that. It's not the like. Let's shoot in New York and make New York look glamorous. It's let's shoot in New York and make New York look like home, like New York. You know, like make it look like New York, and that's the shit that like, like uh, early in the film, I think he's getting ready to go to the theater, and he like steps out of that hotel, and he like walks down, and you're like on that street, and you see all the like. The neat shit in New York, you know, you like on the sidewalk and then you've got like an apartment down in the basement and there's stairs and there's like an iron gate. Keep people from falling down the fucking stairs. And it's like all these brownstones. And it's just the fucking coolest shit, man. I fucking oh, I wish I could go back and live in New York in the 90s. That would be dope. Yeah, I don't know how safe it it was. I'll take the crime. I was going to say I'll take the crime and everything. Seriously. One little tidbit I came across is like they filmed primarily in Paris and New York City, obviously. Um, but there are moments where uh, Leon will open a door and go from the Chelsea Hotel into a sound studio in Paris. And like within seconds, he will be walking from New York into Paris, like in real time and editing and stuff. I just thought that was really cool, which happens a lot in films, obviously. But I just I thought yeah. that was really cool. I mean, it is. And and one thing just to, to cap off that 90s thing, though, is Natalie Portman definitely believable as a fucking preteen teen in new york city in 1994 like 100 percent. what how lucky are we to get natalie portman the world was given a gift there's no doubt she's so talented she it's is shocking fucking she is we're doing a shibuya this shibuya roll call this episode and we're, we'll get to it i wanted to before we moved on to it i wanted to talk a little bit about the violence in the film and you mentioned Pulp Fiction and stuff like that. And maybe the nuance of that is where your subconscious was gathering that from, perhaps. Um, guns are a big part of this movie. This is an action film. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, we t- referenced the Bill Clinton scene. They're literally on top of a, a uh, skyscraper, like, sniping people with false bullets, which I don't know how believable that is. But it, there's like a fucking bazooka into an apartment and there's a this man takes out two-thirds of a SWAT team single-handedly um people are shot in the back while already dead just because they're angry there's just an overkill of violence in the movie um which I'm okay with but it's a movie of its time I mean it immediately just immediately comes to mind uh, true romance, natural born killers. Well, those are all things Tarantino had his hand in, but still like that, that King of New York, mm. uh, you know, like there's just this vibe in the early nineties where violence is almost, I, and I think it's because we're coming out of the, like a great crime decade and everyone's feeling that, I mean, anxiety, I mean, crime was at an all time high. And I think that people were living with it and that's what we got from those decades. And to juxtapose a film like films like that to a movie that I reference, like The Score, which is a cop sure. movie, not a whole lot of violence in that movie. Sure, sure. So like, there's there's two different kinds of there's open wounds and fucking an excess of gunfire, mm-hmm. and then there's not. And like, sure, what, sure. There's like an edited version of this movie that could play on TV, not on eight, not on upper middle class cable, but on regular people cable, <laughs> where there's probably not as many AK-47s and like blown out heads and people getting shot in bathtubs and shit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, it's definitely, it's definitely got the violence. It's, it's not like 
it's not John Wickian. <laughs> it's not like that thick, but it's thick. It definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of blood. For sure. I can't wait to get to our list. Listy. All right. Then do a Shibuya roll call. Sha, sha, Shibuya. Sha, sha, Shibuya roll call. So we kind of saw this film. There's obviously three big principal leads in the movie. Um, so we thought we'd start with Natalie Portman. We kind of edged, hedged on that a little bit. But what are your first thoughts of her performance? Um, of her performance, it, I think, I mean, it's shit. I mean, name, there's only a handful of people that age ever performed like this in a film, ever. I mean, just a Dude. small, small handful. The scene, I just watched it on YouTube. The scene where she's waiting for him to answer the door. Yeah, yeah. And she, I think she rings the bell like three different instances. Uh, it's like who, I can't think of people, like people 40 years old actors that I know and love that can do that. Yeah, yeah. And it's crazy to watch someone's technique and stuff and see it and be like, oh, that's the same Natalie Portman in Black Swan. And like, she had, like she looks the same. She's one. She's got one of those faces, you know, that looks the same at twelve. As it does <laughs> it was kind of creepy, to be honest. I again, I never seen this movie, and it was like, how did they like fucking CGI grown Natalie Portman's face on this like twelve year old body? And it was like, but it's not. It's just that's like when they're doing like the really close up shots, you could just snap that and be like, that's Natalie Portman yesterday acting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's weird. Well, we're going to talk about the creepy part. Yeah, sure. We'll get there. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah. But, and I, go ahead. Well, if I could just say, like, you brought, being that age and, like, being able to, to, to perform, like, get into the character and stuff like that, I mean, it's no surprise that she, she clearly has a high aptitude for stuff like that. I mean, she wound up going to Harvard. Like, that's the movie star they reference in the social network. Is yeah. the, you know, so she clearly, like, I mean, whether you can say what you want about going to Harvard and what that means for someone, but if you, I mean, if you go to Harvard when you don't have to because you're already a movie star, you're clearly trying to get something for yourself that's not attainable through fame and money, right? Don't you think? She must have really good parents. I'm sure. Well, I, you know, that was one of my thoughts. Like, I bet yeah. her, her parents were like, you still got to get a college degree. And she's like, oh, I'll go to Harvard. That's cool. cool. Can I go to Ivy League? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But yes, but you no, can. it's it, it's mega fucking impressive. And and also like somehow she's convincing to me in like all of these different scenarios. Oh, yeah. And like there's a little bit of cheese in some of the places, but but then again, inside of the film, her character is a 12-year-old girl playing an 18-year-old girl to to Leon the whole time, you know. So wait, she's supposed to be 18? She's she's telling Leon she's 18 the entire time all the way through. Okay. Yeah. And everybody else like like, you know, when they go see Tony, Tony's like, can look at Tony looks at her and knows like you're not 18 years old, you know, but but I don't know if if Leon really has that kind of a brain. Leon is a machine. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of naive, you know. In that regard, he he's very he's very naive. His, naive is his, a fantastic word. He's a killer, but the only movie he really knows is Singing in the Rain, which <laughs> is rain, perfectly right? fine with me. Yeah, but 
Yep. Yep. And uh, it's, uh, yeah. but, but anyway, it's just, it's pretty, it's pretty tremendous that, that at that age you can just to carry a scene like that hallway scene you were talking about when she's ringing the doorbell. I mean, if you take that just briefly quick step by step and you say, okay, she's just been beaten because she's bleeding before she goes to the grocery store. So she co- goes to the grocery store, comes back, walks past her dead uh, father. father in the door, and here's Ears the cop that- hey, why'd you have to kill the four-year-old kid? And immediately, like, how do you, I mean, I would not want to be 13. I think she was 13. When it was, I would not want to be in my headspace at 13 thinking that, because that's my life, you know? That's, that's that's crazy. And kudos to I don't know if that's her. like life experience or you can't you cannot teach things like that. I just think she's talented. <laughs> like well, I mean, it's obviously I mean, uh, you know, great actors have to have a tremendous amount of empathy. Like mm. the really 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 great ones. Yeah. You know, I think that they have to be empathetic people because how do you put yourself in that headspace without empathizing with a character? Without and, having lived through something like that, which obviously she hasn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, but no tremendous stuff, man. Like really like, and it's no, no wonder that this career goes on to be what it is today. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan. Welcome to the show, Nat. Fucking welcome to the show. I don't know when she's going to be able to show up again, but. Oh, I think we can, we can bring her in sometime. I, I watching this. I kind of forgot that I love her. Well, she, that's the thing about, she's not a movie star that's on my conscience all the time. Because then, she fucking like low key flies under the radar, dude. Like she's not in, she's not like in splashy this and splashy that. But when she does movies, like she always swings for the fences. Like she's always taking roles that are not just, you know, she did, she could have taken being Natalie Portman and having that huge role in Star Wars, you know, and being this beautiful young woman who's smart and a good actress. She yeah. could have went on and did a million things and like had a completely she different could have gone career. to harvard oh wait she did <laughs> right she could have just had a different career trajectory yeah. but i think she chooses to do things that that are more challenging or interesting to her that at least that's the vibe i get yeah i enjoyed watching some interviews with her this week prepping yeah like, man she's a thoughtful artist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i did read that um all of, like the gun uh, like maintenance and assembly close-up shots are her really doing it um I guess around the same time, Brandon Lee had gotten killed on the set of The Crow or whatever. So oh, her yeah. parents were like, yo, we need to like put some protocols in place on set here. And they hired a gun expert. And that's Natalie Portman assembling and disassembling and cleaning guns like for real. Very cool. Yeah. Authenticity. I mean, and that's it is there. There is a lot of like authenticity in this film and i don't know like the special features are not really the kind of stuff that get oh. into like, filmmaking or anything like that it's just some talk some chatter talking but um but you get the sense that like even if the even if it's not authentic down to like the actors doing everything themselves they aesthetically the way that the apartment buildings look the way the streets look, the way the you know the office buildings look there's a sense of like this 90s grit that's yes. there and and a sense of people living in old spaces you know that come off really well and i like that yeah me too let's give it up one more time for nat before we move on clap for nat <laughs> friend of the show now friend of the show dear friend like dear friend i show. 
I she's kind of gone to the top of my celebrity dinner party list. Right? I think she'd be a great hang. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And she would like leave at an appropriate time. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't get mm-hmm. too drunk. Nope. She would bring something. Likely. Yes. Homemade, yeah. I think. So if you're listening, Natalie, feel free to come over anytime to either of our places. Um, you know, you're more than welcome. There are just, women in both homes, so you can be comfortable, you know. Or just not, just not weird. Just for some good conversation, you know, exactly. and a nice meal. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't mind having a conversation and a nice meal with Jean Renault. That would be fun. That would be fun. I mean, all three of, of these actors, you know. What a beautiful man. Yeah, yeah. I found myself yeah. thinking that while I was watching this. I was like, this guy is just beautiful. He, okay, go ahead and make the announcement right now. Jean Renault face acting award of okay. the film. And he does somehow edge out Gary Oldman's eyes, which just get their own fucking award for this movie. But like he edges Gary. out Gary Oldman's eyes and Natalie Portman's cry face for just the subtleties, man. Really? Like, okay. Yeah. When he's, take me there. Like, like the one that comes to mind is just not, it's not even transformational in the film, but he's just sitting there talking to Tony about his money. And what he wants to do with it. And he's, you know, he's, he's learned how to read now. And there's this, he, there's this, uh, thoughtfulness in his words where you can tell that he's actually exercising. Whereas when you and Mm. I speak, it's just natural instinct. He's exercising and you, Mm. and he, he looks down and he kind of comes up with the words and delivers them. And his, his eyes are so like nervous that he said the wrong thing or said it in the wrong way. Most childlike. It, it very childlike, very very childlike, and and it's he just does an incredible job with just and 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 he's got this like oddball quirk to him that like makes sense for like some genius fucking scientist or when she says he's a composer and they cut to him walking down the street with that case and the fucking rolled up knit cap. It's like you look like a fucking composer. Yeah. You. You look like you're getting ready to go put your ear to a fucking piano and just make fucking magic happen and never talk to anybody else again. Which is kind of what he does. It is. And that's the thing I wanted to bring up is that when he was developing this character, he was thinking of that like savant type of mind that what I think probably a lot of us today, knowing what we know, would say like an autistic or on that spectrum. You know what I mean? And he really was being thoughtful and there's more to that when we talk about their relationship, but that was the kind of thing that when I learned that and I, I viewed the character through that lens, the whole aspect of the relationship with the girl changed completely to me and made so much more sense about what was actually happening. Man, can I just step away from the mic for a second? Sure, yeah. You, you are one of the most thoughtful people I know. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh my god, thank you. You're making me blush. That was great. I never even Thank you. Especially in regards to their relationship, which we'll get to after we're done with Shibuya. It just gives it so much more context. What you just it, broke down this performance. It definitely does. And it and and it's like his performance in a way, it's so fucking weird. Like, how can you be a hitman that is that like in the movie portrayed, like you said, even dialed up a little bit, so effective as a fucking killer. Cold killer. But be such a tender individual 
you know, the the pig puppet thing trying to just cheer this girl up. Yeah. And then when when he asks her, you know, how are you today? And she's like, I've seen better days. He like, you see him realize like, shit, that was a fucking stupid question. Like her whole family just got murdered 10 seconds ago. And I just asked her how her day is going. <laughs> like it's, he's just, it's, he does a great job of making that dynamic work. So yeah, I was kind of really impressed with this performance by him. So it's like kind of loosely based on his performance in Luc Besson's previous film, Nikita, which he's in. Sure, sure. Where he's also an assassin. But the nuances that we're exploring right now, I think, is what sets it apart. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It just and I don't know. There's something cool about that, like the like the accordion while he's walking down the streets. And I, I don't know. I, I really like this film. I definitely do. It's got a vibe that I'm, I'm into. He's a fucking ninja. He's something, man. He's so, something. that opening scene when he goes after the gangster. It's yep. like epic film intro shit yeah for sure for fucking like shit. hanging out of like attics and like underneath stairs and just like yeah and and there the shadows yeah see that's what i was gonna say is there's like there is uh, there is some hyperbole in this film like no doubt like no doubt but there's also some more there's more realism in this film to some of the violence than you see in other films like that knife Coming out of the shit, like that's exactly what an actual assassin would do. How the fuck would like, you know? I mean, just think about it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what you would fucking do. If you had to kill someone with a knife, you would like just, and then once you had them where you they can't move, it's done, you know? And I'm just saying, yeah. it's like it more than like a, you know, just like walking up and like cut and then the knife rips across the throat. And yeah. Like, yeah. You know, or like a throat rip from Roadhouse. Love a good throat rip. I fucking love a good throat rip. I I think the physical part of his performance is great. Like he's like like we said, a tall, like beautiful guy. So like those uh, physical scenes just like work. Like it's realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, shit. What is he like? Fucking. You know, he's like he does sit ups like every day. It's goddamn right because he's like holding himself up with his abdomen from a fucking pipe like shooting people from above a fucking door i mean there is some john wick shit in this right like prototype i don't know i'm just saying the dude's a badass i can we talk about the impersonation scene when he does his john wayne oh yeah i love that dude well i, I meant to bring it up we were talking about old nat but that's like she did that all those impersonations for her audition and like mm -hmm. her marilyn monroe was her impersonation of Mike Myers doing Marilyn Monroe in Wayne? <laughs> Which I love that anecdote. That is so great. <laughs> because she's a kid and it's the yeah, night she Wayne's is. world is fucking yep. on. Uh-huh. Um, totally on. But when he does the 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 John Wayne thing, like the only social thing this guy does is go to the movies by himself and watch a singing in the rain and probably, you know, a John Wayne film. And like he just th those simple, you know old Hollywood things of antiquity. Like that's where he goes when he unwinds yeah. for an, one hour and a half, probably like for a whole week or some shit like that. And that scene where he kind of opens up in his tender and doing a John Wayne is, I don't know the dynamic of the character like bounces around and hits a spot there. And it's really touching. It is. It's a good, it's a good, it, it there. Are, that's what's so interesting about this movie is the way it bounces back 
from from this like like high stakes drama to this like <laughs> like fucking oddball indie quirk. That, yeah. that's so heartfelt and sincere at times. It's like I'm fucking watching a Miranda July movie right now, and you're like, I want to fucking ball my eyes out at how yeah. tender this quirky shit is. But also then, yeah, but then it's like you ever, you know, here's the ring trick, blow up a fucking grenade. Like, Jesus, you know, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting combination. It really is. Yeah. Talking about highs and lows. The Gary fucking Oldman. Holy shit. Holy fucking shit. Holy shit. He's so Dude, amazing. My God. Gary Oldman. Like, there, like, uh, like, there's some Gary Oldman moments I could live without. Not a big fan of the Winston Churchill film. Oh, yeah. That wasn't, it wasn't the greatest. I mean, it wasn't, yeah. I like Gary Oldman being manic and weird and, like, out of control. I- so, like, my favorite Gary Oldman role for years has been True Romance. Sure. When he, play, I mean, I've always loved that. This is this like is some crazy yes. shit, dude. Yes, this is this, this this is like this is like one of the best movie villains of all time for me. Shit, this guy is fucking creepy in this He's movie. Co- he is complicated. Like, I don't. I've watched this movie far more times than you have, and I still was like, what is this man? Like, what's his motive? Like, I know he's a DEA agent, but, like, he is grotesquely corrupt and embraces it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the and scene he's a with- junkie. Oh, yeah. yeah. What do you think those pills are that he's taken? I mean, the— Some sort of opium. The well, the research that I did, because I was, like, trying to figure it out, too. I was like, I, what? Was- I kept meaning to look it up, but I, just, it, I was looking was- up other stuff. People were saying that they were like, uh, like some sort of benzo, benzo diazepam, some some version of that. Librium was something that they said, Jack and then like style. that it was likely like a designer drug. So whatever. Designer. For, for those of us who smoke pot and don't really go outside, that I don't know what a designer drug is. I'm good. I don't know what that classifies as. So, but whatever. Moving on. I mean, he whatever. Sounds like you want to go to a minus the bear show. <laughs> the, the way this guy fucking it's so menacing he cracks that capsule and contorts his fucking shoulder and then he turns into this like hyper fucking focused like i i don't it, it, dude his eyes in this film like he is like he look it's just it's rare when you see an actor that like makes you think that they would kill you. Like they're, they're convincing enough that like you actually think that that person would kill me if they were in front of me. And like, he's on like a Daniel day level. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. He, this is some cold shit. I don't know. I think one of my favorite scenes is when he's, when he's talking to, uh, <laughs> the fucking, uh, white Jamaican. He's like, what yeah. do I tell him? And he like leans his head against the beads and says, tell them, tell them we were doing our job. And I feel like that scene could have been way more cinematic. Like the beads could have been uh, broken with his head or it could have been framed in a more deliberate way. But the director chooses to give Gary Oldman the license with the characters like I know me standing behind these beads and not pushing through them is dramatic. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it kind of shows the license of 
the character that he is fucking crazy and menacing yeah. and like mm-hmm. wants to be that and is trying to be that. And he's mm-hmm. got like his handler, his right hand man that's like has his hands on him, like going too far. Let's go. Keep it moving because he yep. is psychotic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like he uh, he's just he I, I mean, he really gives me this good picture of a because, again, it's so important to realize like this film was made. It was released in 94 which means that when it was conceived of and probably started work on it in 92 or 93, depending on what, how, whatever, right? Early 90s shit. We're coming out of the crack epidemic in America, the war on fucking drugs, the bogus ass bullshit where the police become a fucking military. Yes. And start busting people's heads. And he gives this perfect, he paints this perfect picture of a, like a rabid, rabid, fucking drug cop yeah that, like not just wrapped up in power and the corruption of being a cop but being also entrenched in the addiction of what you're trying to supposedly control yes yes and and like the the way you know like given the you know the whole thing that leads to you know matilda being with leon in the first place her family getting murdered because this guy has basically been hired by this gang of dea agents effectively and they uh, you know, are having he's a holder for them and he's getting busted because he cut the product and kept a little to sell on the side. And it's like, you know, that's that shit really happens. Like there are documents oh. out there you could pull up the DEA, FBI, they do shit like that all the fucking time. You know, but but what they don't do is go in and murder whole families with shotguns. Like that's what this movie, you know, well the, on today's I, episode Ask I've Fred learned, Hampton, actually. On, I don't know. On on today's episode I've learned that you have at least once stepped into the mind of a killer. So I wouldn't be surprised to find out that you've also put yourself into the mind of a corrupt DEA agent. Yeah, I do that. <laughs> yeah. Is that weird? Is that, am I weird? Yeah. I go no. dark places, man. I go dark, dark places. That is because you are an artist, mon frere. Yes. I live in the light, my friend, but I go dark places. Can we? Yeah. It's almost like so perverse. That he's corrupt, that it's on the first viewings and stuff. It's like, what is, is this guy a gangster? Yes, absolutely. That it's was my so first. like out in the open. It's like, no, I mean, he is a gangster, but he's 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 a cop. Like he's in like a linen suit that's wrinkled and like, it, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, it, he it could, like it could easily pass over the viewer that this person's a DEA DEA agent. Like easily. Yeah. It's it's um it his character reminds me of uh Josh Brolin's character in American Gangster. The like you know dresses in the fucking leather coat and has the slick back hair in the 60s and drives the fucking sports car and is basically operating again cuz that's the thing is these go- the, when these government agencies go wrong or when police agencies go wrong they operate like the fucking mafia which we're learning a lot about this year and they operate like that check out they the fucking- Gabagool chronicles on the off weeks y'all yes they fucking strong arm you and they set you up and they confiscate your property and all this fucking shit and they act like gangsters. And that's why I have that image in my head. But I will say the one thing that kind of, to me, really let me know that he is an agent is there's two. So when they kill the whole family and then the the city cops are like bringing them back and they have to come back to the crime scene and they're like, 
what happened here? And he was like, well, he was standing here. We came in, he fired, bam, we shot him. And then they're like, you're going to need to be more specific. Yeah. And I don't have time for this Mickey Mouse shit, you know? And he just walks out. He's like, here's my office, 4602, you know? And it's like, he doesn't have to. He's a federal agent. He can fucking flip off those local cops and walk out because that's the way jurisdiction fucking works. He doesn't have to explain. You know, nope. they... They, they can ask all they want. How did, well, how did the kids die? I don't fucking know. I don't have time for this bullshit. Heartless. It's, it is. And, it, and it, I believe, I like, I like, I mean, I really do believe that there have been cases of, of authorities that are acted like that, but I don't believe that that's actually the norm throughout the whole thing. But it's amazing when, what power can do when it corrupts absolute. You know? I don't know. I feel like you should write a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think this might be a good time to let folks know that we're talking in the morning for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so typically we were kind of wondering when we should tell y'all like we like getting personal, letting you guys into our shit. So usually we record in the early afternoon or, uh, you know, sometimes even the evening, a big part of what we try and do for y'all is we're hanging out. We're having a drink. We're having a beverage. Josh and I are both readers. We're both, I'd say we're both morning people at this point in our lives. It took me a while oh, yeah. to come around, but we're retrospective. We're both artists. Like, so the morning is a time of reading and reflection. We're recording in the morning for the first time ever. So like we chose this film It's <laughs> and now we're getting like introspective as shit, boy. <laughs> what is the moral compass of the villain and Leon the professional? <laughs> I'm thinking about it now. I'm thinking about Heath Ledger as the Joker putting the gun in Harvey's yes! hand. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I'm so glad you. Oh, shout that. out Gary Oldman. You're in that pick too, Young Kamish. I love oh, it. Oh fuck! Right? He's a heavy hitter, folks. So anyway, Gary fucking Oldman. That's all I gotta say. Dude. Gary Oldman is good at acting. <laughs> she just about made me spit out my coffee. I <laughs> take but i'm gonna go with it <laughs> oh okay Whew. let's move on to the touchy subject of this film and that's the relationship between matilda and leon um we've we've talked about it a little bit so far but it's something that makes people squirm a little bit that it's pedophilic that you know uh, it's slightly European in some ways. Like if, if what I read in the critical reception, it didn't really make people that uncomfortable in Europe when they saw it as much as it did for Americans. Um, but the way that you broke down the character of Leon and showing that he's not of a fully developed adult mind and that this young girl, you know, references being in love with him and sex is referenced. I, it's like these two brains are at two different developmental levels and like he's feeling affection for the first time in his life and she is a young girl who just lost her father and is probably projecting those feelings onto this other man so it's complicated and it's kind of a controversial part of this film but we wanted to have a conversation about it yeah yeah for sure um so this is where i'm going to first bring up this the extended version okay so you get more – two things are, are uh, fleshed out a little bit more in that extra 25 minutes. 24. Those, 20, uh, four, excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, 24 minutes. Jeff Gordon minutes. Um, 
Uh, two, <laughs> two extra things are flushed out a little more, and it's um, the relationship part, and then the fact that he trains her a lot more on how to be a cleaner. She goes to like at least two dozen hits with him and learns all this stuff in the extended version. That's not really in that. That stuff I would have loved to have in the actual theatrical version. Cause that was one thing that I thought I was a little confused about. Did you, which version did you prefer? Uh, uh theatrical version. Definitely. Yep. The, the, the extended version was a little, it just was, it was a little too much. It was a little too much. Like I feel like out of the whole 24 minutes, there was like about a five minute montage of the training that if I could, if I was editing and could have cut that and put it in, I would have done that. But everything else I would have left out. You're not interested in making films at all, are you? <laughs> Just so everyone knows, I watch these films one time. Joshua watches them like three, and that's because I am not a psychopath. Yeah, I am obsessed. I love learning and trying to. Yeah, I um, am too. But no, I know. I meant like learning about like the directorial part of filmmaking yeah. and shit. But uh, um, shit, where was I at? Fuck. We're talking about the relationship. Oh yeah. So the an extended version. So anyway, um. There's a couple of extra scenes that kind of let you know some things. Mostly what happens is Leon explains to her because she straight up just in the extended version, she straight broaches the subject and is like, we like a girl's first time is a difficult thing and I want it to be good. I love you and all this stuff. And he just says, no, like he basically puts that whole idea to bed in the film and in, in the extended version, like he says, no, it's not going to happen. And he kind of goes on to explain that he's, he's not mature like that. Like he loved a girl when he was younger. It's referenced that when he first comes to America and gets, yeah, that he's fucked up over a girl still wet behind the ears. Yeah. And, and what happened is he, he explains to her that he loved a girl and, um, her dad didn't want him to see him for whatever reason, but she wanted to kept sneaking away. And then one day her dad killed her. So Leon like snuck into his room or no, actually not killed him with a rifle and then hopped on a boat to America that night. Like after he had murdered this like really powerful guy in town who got, uh, got off for killing his daughter because it was an accident. So, so that's like the story. So basically, what a backstory. Yeah, I mean, he has this tr completely traumatic fucking thing happen in his life, and he to himself is just stuck there. He's not at a place where he can really. So, and he does t tell her that. So that, th I mean, there is some awkward stuff, and like I, that like there's one scene in particular that I thought to myself like. This is surprising in an American version of a film. And it was when she's laying on the bed and they like pan down on her navel and she's holding yeah. her hands there. I immediately like went to like Lolita. Yeah. And I started thinking like European. Same. Definitely. Same. Um, yeah. <coughs> excuse me. But but um, I don't know. I felt like I I came away from it not feeling like that the relationship was pure and innocent, especially after hearing Jean Reno's interpretation of his own character and how he just wasn't they were that was never the relationship that they would ever have but that they did love each other like I she's that, used but. I think that's like an American thing to instead of fully understanding the context of the situation jumping to a you know for lack of a better term clickbait 
shocking headline like oh my god it's like listen this is exploring like something complex and nuanced and like not really fully explicit in what you're watching like let's have a conversation about this instead of just fucking free like the puritan values perpetrating your you know your opinion yeah it is and it's like the first thing that the first thing that i uh, that i thought was like anyone who watches this and immediately goes to relationship, 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 has clearly not grown up in a poor neighborhood and went to a poor school because when young girls are abused and these, like, that, he was the first person that ever fucking showed her any tenderness and, like, care and love. And she's confused because she's going through fucking puberty and... All of her friends are doing it, and she's telling him that, and she doesn't. She's just fucking confused. And if you can't and see that, her family's you know, dead. Yeah. Not only that, you know. So it just it's 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 like you said, it's complicated, and that's what is another thing that feels, I guess, you could say European about it is the way they're willing to dive into that subject more than we ever would here because it's too taboo. I loved when he comes to save her at the office. Um, and he picks her up and they do the shot, the step back and they do the shot with her feet hanging and he's holding her mm-hmm. and he's holding her cause he loves her. Yep. This little girl that he's the guardian of. And they show the mm-hmm. discrepancy in their size and their height and their age. And like, he's this big, strong man holding this girl and with his love, he's holding her off the ground. But to her, she's like safe. And I don't know. It's just beautiful. It is. It is. It's, it's, um, it's, yeah, it is. Like I said, he just his character in particular like because she's she plays a distraught panicked girl like to perfection and his character is just this tender thing you know and he he and that's the other thing is is her advances you could say on him in the film confuse the fucking shit out of him he doesn't he doesn't he also doesn't know that when she's dancing in front of him dressed like madonna that there's that that's inappropriate. He's not getting it. He doesn't. No. It, you know what I mean? It doesn't click. It's to not. Him. It's not uh, uncomfortably. It's not like a sexual thing to him. Yes, not. He doesn't not even know who Madonna is. He's like, I do not know. D- yeah, I don't. Know. Also, real quick, is he yeah. supposed to be Italian in this movie? Yes, that yeah. also becomes way more clear in the extended version. I think it's only referenced one time. It, it, fuck. I mean. I don't even in the theatrical version. I came away actually thinking he was French, dude. Like no shit. I I, I think because I've seen it, it's it's he's referenced as that Italian. I think um, Gary Oldman's character says that Italian assassin. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. You're right. He does. But he yeah, has like Italian a very very obviously thick French accent. So <laughs> it's just kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, interesting. But cool. That was a good conversation to have. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, would you like to move on to our lists for this week's episode? Let's fucking get into it, man. Let's fucking let's get our listy misties going. Listy misties. So we kind of did something different. Oh, Josh and I have our both our own lists, but they're not in the middle of the Venn diagram. They're two. We both have our own subjects, and we've never done it before. We always well, have I- fun, like stepping on each other's toes maybe we pick the same thing maybe we have the same spot thing in a different spot for what we're counting down but for this week uh we have our own list so for me uh my list is my top three favorite kills of Leon's oh yeah 
Yeah. Oh yeah. This is this is an action film, and I just thought of it. I thought that'd be a fun one to do. Yeah. And Josh, you want to tell them what your list is? I'm gonna take my favorite Gary Oldman moments as Stansfield. Cool. I think that's gonna be a more entertaining list. So. I'll... Oh, I, I I don't know. Okay. Well, well, I'll I'll go first this week. Okay, I like it. Cool. My third favorite kill is during the uh, onslaught of the SWAT team onto Leon's uh, apartment at the very end when he snuck up and he kind of kidnaps one of the guys and he uses uh, one of the guys as like a shield and puts him in front of the door so they won't shoot at his apartment anymore. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of an absurd action film moment that doesn't make them hesitate at all. And they do just like fire on their comrade. But it's just, I love it because it makes me laugh. It's just like they just, the filmmaker just wanted like a body being riddled with bullets and like it's so unnecessary. And he's just standing there and like spread eagle just getting fucking rocked. And uh, I, that's my third favorite because it just makes me laugh. It's an absurd action moment. It's just like, why does this guy have to get like brutally murdered like this? Brutally okay. murdered. Yeah, they, they dump him full of, bomb, full of bullets. That's for yeah, sure. Big time. Yeah. Um, my next, my top two are kind of like hand in hand. I had to kind of pick the ones that I loved more. So number two for me is uh, in that same scene, Leon uh, using his incredible core strength, hanging from the ceiling from the attic, mm-hmm, and just mm-hmm. falling down with like two guns out and just expertly fucking killing people at will and getting shot in the shoulder. And he just comes down from the ceiling several times. And it's, like, again, absurd and makes me smile. And just, like, we're having this quirky love thing. It's like, oh, right, this dude's a fucking ninja. Yeah. Coming down from the attic. (laughs) Fucking blow your brains out. He's fucking crazy, dude. He is seriously, like, literally, like, it's, like, this is some advanced level assassin shit. Like, you know, because this is, I don't know, like, this is. Where do this you go to like, learn this? This is pre-Matrix, pre-John Wick, you know, pre-CGI effects and shit that we have today. Like, this is some kind of, like, badassery in this film. Like, they pull this shit off. This guy is, like, insane. My number one favorite kill. Give it to me. Is one the, in the opening scene, which is this montage, this, like, carnage, of cornucopia of carnage, if you will. Mm-hmm. And... One of the henchmen is like looking down the stairwell, and not only does Leon know how to hang from the ceiling to surprise you, he's hanging underneath the stairwell, and he grabs this motherfucker and, ha- and, and like from underneath the stairs and throws him down the huge stairwell. He what, does. What are you holding on to, bro? Spider Man. Spider-Man style. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man came and met him. He's got him on speed dial. He's like, I need to defy gravity for a minute. <laughs> and Batman, too. There's some Batman vibes with Leon. For sure. For sure. For Those sure. No, but he definitely has that. He, that His assassinations are the parts that suspend reality the greatest. We'll put it that way. I love it. He hangs from a lot of shit and comes in and out of places really fast. And he's got those glasses. Those are dope glasses. Dope glasses. I could never pull those off. You might could. You never know. Uh, Thanks. Age does cool things, man. Age does cool things. Can.
You, I mean, I'm just saying, you could grow into round glasses, and it could be like a dope phase of your life in the future. I'll be optimistic. I'll be on don't, the look. Exactly. Just don't roll them out. That's all I'm asking. I'm not really a sunglasses guy, though. I never have been. Well, maybe for that a photo op. That change, too. See, that, see, you just started golfing. It did. Things are changing, okay? You could develop a love for sunglasses, and they might be round. Okay. I'm not just afraid. Saying, straw hat. Look at a little, you know, Capote at the Cabana-esque. Did you see me turning into that person? Not exactly, but I can see you, like, uh, pulling it off. Thanks, man. Okay, it happens. Anyway. All right. What's your list? Okay, so number three for me um, is just this dude's intro. Like, his 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 real intro. Gary Oldman. He's Gary Oldman, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's sitting there listening to the classical music and his little earbuds that are, like, so before their time at that yes. point. And are those are those Beats by Dre? Oh, mine? No, his. Oh, was, oh yes, pre pre yeah, uh, Beats by Dre. Pre 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 Beats by Dre. Say that fast a lot. Um pre Beats by Dre. Pre Beats by Dre. Pre Beats by Dre. Good job. Thanks. That was that was impressive. So anyway, he's listening to these he's listening to classical music and he his lackey tells him, you know, hey, this guy's telling us that he didn't do this. And the guy tells him, like, he's got this talent for sniffing out a liar. And dude takes his earbuds out, and he, like, turns around, and he, like, walks up to the guy, and it's just this great intro into this villain because he starts touching him and getting way too close to him, invading his personal space with these, like, intimate things, like putting his forehead on him, and he's, like, smelling him up and down and around and he like hugs him and he's like, of course he didn't lie. Of course he didn't lie. And he's very like, very like Nicholson from departed, you know, very like that. Um, and then he tells him, well, I know you didn't do it, but you're going to tell me tomorrow at 12 who did do it, you know, and we're coming back. Yeah. And, and that's it, you know? And I just love that intro. Cause you, and and then the film does this other really fucking dope thing in the score, which is these bells yeah. start going in the background when when his character Stansfield is getting ready to like come on screen or is like introing the screen. It's that shit's sick. I love it. It's awesome. Yeah, number one. Number um, three or number one? Uh, number three. Excuse me. Sorry, number three. That was number three. I promise that was number three. I just ordered them differently because of chronological. Anyway. Um, Number two, Psycho. I can't, I can't miss this one. I can't mess this one up because it's number two. So it's number two in either direction. Um, uh, when Stansfield thinks death is whimsical, so when mm. I love the scene when she goes to try to assassinate him, and she's just not a pro, and this guy is a fucking pro, and she sees in him bathroom. go into the bathroom. He's already made her. He made her outside before she ever even fucking walked in the door with her silly little package. Like, she fucked up. She walked too soon, and he came back, and he saw her walk. It, anyway, so he's hiding behind the door. Classic oldest trick in the book. And he's, it's this just crazy scene where he does his fucking shakes his little pill thing and gets his caps on cracks that motherfucker and his pupils get like the size of fucking pencil points and shit and he's like 
he's like asking her, like, I want you to tell me every detail, including who the chef is that cooked this food for me. Like basically who sent you? And she's like, it's not I'm on my own. It's he's like, so it's personal. And he's like, he just like in this creepy fucking way is like, what miserable piece of shit thing did I do now? You know? And it's like, he's, and then he explains to her that he's going to enjoy taking her life because she enjoys her life. And it's this fun. And she's like, yeah, a young girl. And it's like just the creepiest fucking shit. And how he always looks sweaty, like he's just intense. He's on drugs, likely. Yes, but that's my number two. I think that's my number two. And then, then sorry to finish it off. You know, uh, Baba Cat record guy comes in and is like telling him that the other dude just got murdered, and he like pauses for a second and he's like, he's like. Death feels whimsical today. And it's like only a sociopath with a fucking loaded gun in their hand with two people in a room who are completely right to think that he could murder them at any time would think death feels fucking whimsical today. I was thinking during that scene, I first of all, I love like the blocking between the two characters in the bathroom. How she's yeah. just like straightforward and he's like at a perpendicular angle. Yep. I think it's just really interesting. But I was also thinking, like, obviously a naturally young, talented performer in Natalie Portman. I wonder what she... I would love to ask her what she took from being in a scene with someone like that. I know. You got to... You got... Like, I immediately thought to another one, which is in a recent film with uh, DiCaprio and a young actress on the set of a TV show in a film. Like that. Growing Pains? Hollywood. Uh, In that film... (laughs) Um, I thought of like that scene where that oh, young actor was I thought you meant when he was a young actor. <laughs> and I immediately went, are you yeah, talking, about, are you talking about growing pains right now? <laughs> he works with that one guy. I don't even know. Oh, growing pains. Wasn't, it, wasn't Kirk Cameron or some Cameron person in that? You're goddamn right it was Kirk that's Cameron. That's it. That's, that's who taught DiCaprio how to act, baby. Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron. Please see my independent Christian films. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, my number one is obviously the best, and it's when he what he says plays some Beethoven, and he you know it's when he murders her family and they come up the stairs and those bells are fucking going off again in the background and his guys are coming and just filling up this room and you get this sense of inevitability like there's no way anyone could escape this situation because there are just so many guys in every direction right and he like he tells them like you know i'm gonna play you some beethoven and he goes in he like cocks the shotgun and he's like walking around and you can see him like keeping tempo to the the beethoven in his fucking head and he stops and he like kills someone and he keeps going and he's moving and it's this wicked shit and then he stops with the man he came to kill after he's murdered the rest of his entire family and he starts explaining to him, he's like, you don't like Beethoven. You like Mozart. You like Mozart. He's like, you know, I'll, I'll grant you, Beethoven, after, after the initial openings, he gets a little tired. He's like, he pauses and he's like, that's why I stopped. Like, that's why I stopped murdering your fucking family because the song in my head got boring to me. And it's this, it's the creepiest fucking shit, man. Like, and... I don't know, like that. This is one of the few times I've been creeped out by actors. Like it's it was creepy, like fucking creepy. I wonder if Gary Oldman's done it inside the actor's studio. 
Oh my god. Uh, if he did, I bet it was about a terrible film, though. I mean, that's a like, those Tinker those Taylor interviews are about a career. Retro- those interviews are a career retrospective. That's though. true. Yeah, that's true. I wish that that show was archived somewhere. You if do. anybody listening knows if that's the case or not, please let us know because I will quit my job and just watch all of them. Bring back the actor studio without that uh, asshole, Charlie Rose. Dude, you're so off base right now. James Lipton, R.I.P. hosts. Oh, it's my bad. Actor studio. Lipton. I, what's, the, what's the other one? Charlie Rose. Yeah, what's that one? Charlie Rose. Is it just? They're in like it, a dimly lit room at a round. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But is there not like a pre-title or a subtitle to it? It's just called Charlie Rose. Pretty sure it's just it's like Dick Cavett or something. Okay. Right. You said that asshole, and I was like, "Whoa!" No, not James Lipton. He's yeah, okay, great. National treasure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so those are my Gary Oldman move- moments. Number one is just him being a fucking sick fucking crazy good villain that you just don't see often you know yeah um the last thing we wanted to discuss about this film was the cable movie discussion we've kind of been interwoven throughout this episode this film is 100 clearly not a cable movie but there are elements of it that beckon the question what is that and what does that look like just off the cuff like what are some cable movies for you and so the audience can kind of tell what we're talking about here sure um like double along, jeopardy along yes double jeopardy along came a spider kiss the girls morgan freeman movies with ashley judd you know the score like, okay sure a, t- I mean, I a time to now. kill yeah 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 definitely it did ashley come judd. on table i think let, hold on let's before we keep just naming movies though what about the fact that does does a cable movie make for just because that movie played on cable like when you were younger, like and maybe you did see it all the time? Because like Saving Private Ryan, not a cable movie at all, no. but a cable movie. So like I think the thing that makes a cable movie and the reason why the subject came up on this film in particular, it goes back to discussing the cinema de look movement and where it's style over substance. So Watching it, you can not be super engaged in watching it. It's an hour and 45 minutes long. At least two people die. Like, and it's, it's, it's reads like a gumshoe novel more than it does like an epic, right? Okay, I see. Okay, so I'm starting to feel like where your head's at on this because, like, so first off, let me just say, like, I think when I think cable movies, I think of like, um, serial novel type yeah. of a story. Yes. Something that's just it nobody gives a shit, but it's just like I can put this point here, keep you hooked. You know, you gotta now you're watching because you want to see what fi- what happens, right? How's the story the end? final scene, yeah. Cliches, predictable, all that good stuff, right? Um, I think that for for this one, it's just like a, a I can see how where you're saying like cable movie because it's got the action, the violence, people are dying. I can totally see a whole class of people out there who like like this movie and don't even think about any of it because they've just they put it on in the background and every time they hear a gun, they look up and they're like, okay, and then they go back to like looking at their phone or yeah. doing whatever it is that they're doing. I could see that kind of vibe in this movie, how you could kind of tune out to the nuance and sit back and just kind of watch like an action-y flick with kind of a quirky sidekick kid element. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I do kind of see that. 
But I think that this movie has some stuff that cable movies don't. Of course. There's a, it's it. not a cable movie. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing in particular is the score. Like, this is a great it's score. It's sophisticated. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a real, it's a completely, like, we, like, this show loves a fucking good score, right? Oh, yeah. It, this score is not that kind of score. It's not some, it's not a Greenwood, Reznor, like, avant-garde score. It's not a, you know, Herman, you know, score that, like, will get you, like, a Hitchcock Ooh. film. Oh, was that Hitchcock's guy? I'm pretty sure. I mean, no. I don't know. I'm just No Hans here. Zimmer here. Sure, Zimmer will work. Philip Glass scored Philip a few films. Glass. Ooh. Um, but you know what I mean? Like it's not that kind of, but it's 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 got a it's 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 like a it's more of a like artsy, like kind of a score. The way it I don't know. I I, I really enjoyed this score a lot. That was like one of the and it does some wicked shit. When you Gary keep Oldman's using that character, word wicked when you're talking about Gary Oldman's character I, and like he is just wicked. It is. It's just wicked. It's like that empty, like that empty resolve of no remorse, like just zero remorse. Like yeah. that's wickedness, right? Like what else? Oh, how else do you define it? I no, don't know. Personified. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. What else you got? Um. Okay. So. Two two big two big points. Um, first point is I really love the kind of cat and mouse of Leon and Stansfield's character, mm-hmm. like this back and forth of their wit and their 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 force. They're and both masters. They are. They are. And in that last scene in particular, where from the moment that the SWAT team like scoops up Matilda and like you know the shit's getting ready to go down from that moment through the end of the film is like a fucking ball of tents. Yeah. Right? The last like, 20 minutes are awesome. Yeah. And what really became like exemplified to me is like what it looks like. Like when in this case, they were f- facing a very like witty and experienced assassin. Right. But he was just one guy. Can we agree on that? Yes. It's amazing to see the militarized police state in act because that's what it looks like. Like that is that is realistic. Like you know, SWAT team, they're putting the fucking sixty millimeter grenade you like know, the canister on the yeah, man. It's it's like it's wild to see that like that much force. I, I don't know. I don't know against one dude. I guess one dude, one dude. And, and then it, it, he gets when he knows he's injured. So he like uses, takes the clothes of the guy that got shot up that we referenced earlier and like infiltrate, gets like checked out by a medical doctor and released. But then homeboy sees him with his yeah. mask off and knows yep. who it is. Cause the goddamn medic made him take his fucking mask off. Yeah. Yep. And even though yep. our protagonists are a hero, if you will. Yeah, yeah, really. If we had to pick one, I mean, we're sad when he dies. Mm-hmm. But he he gets him with the with the grenade trick from Matilda. I love that. Great punctuation point. Yeah, his uh, last which, words are shit. Which I, I love. know. Uh huh. Yeah, and and that really close to that. Just before that, so like I told you at the beginning of of this that that dive if you will into supreme macaroni from the street corner 
Yeah. Is like, could be my favorite thing in the whole fucking movie. I really like, I thought of you immediately, but, um, from like a writer's standpoint, I think my favorite thing is they do this, this really cool kind of a bookend thing to their relationship, Matilda and Leon's and go with me here. This is one of my little quirky things, but the hallway scene where she's ringing his door like they do a great job of building up the like back and forth between each side of the door, him scratching his head, him like yeah. what like do run, open do all the, the ramifications of everything that could happen if he does or does not open this door. And it keeps cutting back to her. And I fucking love that that filmmaker chose to go with the reaction with her face when the door opens, not the, the door light. opening, the light yeah. splashing on her face. And He's then dressed in white. Yes, and then the bookend to that is at the end of the film when Leon's walking out of that tunnel, instead of seeing the gun go off or getting Gary Oldman's perspective, we mm-hmm. go to Leon's POV yes. and we see the flashbang yes. from the gun go off. And that's our our knowledge. And it's like so cool to me that you get that flash when the door opens, that flash from the gun, and that's the beginning of the relationship and the closing of their relationship. And a subtle little thing that I have to get to is right after that flashbang, you're in Leon's POV and the shot starts to get exposed. And I love that because it's like he's falling forward and he's walking out of this dark tunnel. And it's just, we all know that feeling. It it only lasts for a split second to us because our eyes adjust so quickly. We our, our eyes dilate or whatever they need to do. And when we come out, when you're walking out of a dark space into a bright sunlight, you get that little bit of overexposure and that's how it shows him expire and fall to the ground with this overexposed shot that fades away. And I just think that's good stuff. You know, this movie is so good. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you can tell, like, you know, you watch something and you're like, there's a movie that's like, it could like this people that worked on this are capable of making like something really, really, really fucking great. Maybe this isn't it. You know, maybe it's not. I mean, maybe the guy goes will, on to make, but guy goes on to make like the Fifth Element and like sci-fi films. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, didn't he? He won some Academy Awards, I think, for Fifth Element for or something. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I, I, okay. was, I was looking at that, but also, like, did you look up his producing career? That's the thing that tripped me out. He, no, I didn't. After this, this dude produces the Taken franchise. Ever heard of it? All like four or fucking five of those. Really? Movies, plus a TV show produces. Um, the transporter with Jason Statham franchise. I love those movies when I was a kid. And uh, then produces Taxi with Queen Latifah and Jimmy Fallon. Like what? The I fuck? love that movie. When and when you brought up that whole cinema do look thing, that's like I was like, um, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Luke, oh, excuse me. Cinema du look. Okay. No. I try. I'm I'm a Southern boy. What can I do? Luke the um, song. No, but I think that's 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 all my my shout out stuff that I just wanted to really get out there. But I do think that there's some really, th- th- again, this is like a this is like one of those ninety eight percenters. It's like it's there's some stuff that just if it just was tweaked a little here or there, th- this could be like a canon kind of a film. But it's just don't not you, not don't quite. You write the director a letter and give him some notes. Hey, could I do my own director's cut of your film? And I think we could make it better. Is that okay, Luke? Luke, could you could you could could contact me, Luke? I have some suggestions. Oh wow! Well, I'm glad we did this movie. It opened up some really interesting conversations. Um, 
and it's given the season some dynamic. And it's like a different kind of film that we've done. And I'm glad we did it. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, shit, what the, what the fuck is the point of, of the whole thing if we don't try to, you know, try to do movies that other people just aren't going to give love to? You know, we got we to gotta bring those, those movies in. You know, that's the middle brow part of us, you know, is like give some love to some stuff that other people might look down their nose at, you know, but we'll, we'll, we'll look up at, at it for a while. And we're going to do more of that this season. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Sure. Um, sure. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Joshua, to the birds. Hallelujah. Peace.